0: We are in a series called Stand, and uh, um, this is week three, and where we've been looking through the book of Daniel, just different stories of these young guys, and this story today is is Daniel when he's older, but these young guys just who've been transported to another part of the world, the the people of Israel have been conquered, and they've they've been uh, transferred uh, part of the Babylonian captivity, and just seeing how they handled everything, and so the first week was standing in the midst of compromise that we all face situations and circumstances where, man, we just want to compromise who we are and who God's called us to be and what He's doing in our life, and you you got to take a stand, and then last week, we talked about standing in community, that that when things come our way, it's it's a lot easier if you have people who are pulling with you than if you've got a community that's pulling with you instead of pulling against you or, or, or pulling by yourself, and so we looked at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and them taking a stand together, and so we talked about that. That today we're, we're, we're talking about standing on your knees we're talking about uh, we're actually talking about prayer that um, there's a comes a time where you you've got to stand on your knees that this ought to be what, what we are we are about and I was uh, looking at uh, prayer just uh, different things uh, about prayer you know prayer is is one of the the mysterious things of, of being a christ follower that we pray to a god we can't see and we ask him to interact in our lives. We we cast our cares upon him and ask for his help. And it's kind of weird. We do some things that make it weird sometimes more than, than what it should be. It's really kind of crazy. It's something I can't explain uh, all the time. But I know that this was the practice of Jesus and, and the, the people in the Bible that they prayed to God. And this ought to be our practice. And so I started thinking about prayer. Uh, uh, what do Americans pray for? What do Americans pray for? And... and um, I just, I'll just list them. Uh, the first one is this. We pray for loved ones in crisis. And we've probably all done this. We, you know, we've prayed for loved ones. So there's a crisis. We pray for someone who is sick. We've, we've probably all prayed for somebody who's sick. Uh, we pray when we are sick. We usually pray before that, God, don't let me get sick. You know, because I, so I have a loved one who's sick. You ever do that? So I have this thing with on church on Sunday. People will come up and shake my hand and tell me they have the flu. I have the flu. And I'm like, okay, Lord, help me. Help me and strike them down. Anyway, so... Um, and then I'll go get hand sanitizer. I'm doing like that. But anyway, all right. Pray, pray when you're sick. Uh, we pray before a long trip. If we're going on a long trip. We're gonna drive. We've got to pray. We, let's pray. And, and we pray when there's a storm or bad weather. We pray when we have a financial decision to make. We pray. We pray when when uh, this is just Americans. This is not it's not really Christians, just Americans. We pray when we have a job interview. Job interview, we're gonna pray this. We pray. When we have a test. How many of you remember being in school, you're like, Lord, help me. I need supernatural recall. <laughs> I need some help here today. This is not going to go good. And I remember those days. And uh, we pray when we have a presentation or a performance. Uh, um, you know, uh, I pray a lot of times with, for the sermons. I have people pray for me. And um, in, in, uh, we all do that. We pray when we have an addiction. And then we came to number 11. And the, I was surprised and not surprised. And you just raise your hand if you've ever done this. We pray for our favorite sports team. <laughs> do you ever do that? Like, Lord, be, be. All, everybody's, the other team's praying as well. That's what's comical about it. You know, God was with us anyway. anyway so. And then the number 12, we pray we'll win the lottery. Now, you ever prayed this? Bought a ticket, I'm buying a ticket, and I'm praying, thank you, we got somebody. Who's... The rest of y'all are like, no, I don't do that. Yes, you do. <laughs> Sometimes, I think we think of prayer like a lottery ticket, that I'm going to buy a lottery ticket and hope I win, or I buy a lottery ticket and I wish they'd call my numbers. And a lot of times, we look at prayer like that, like I'm going to say this prayer, and I'm going to hope, or I'm going to wish but it's really not part of our lives. It's really not. It's not really the, the 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 backbone of of who I am as a Christ follower. See, I want to talk to you today about not prayer being a last resort, but being a first response. That this would be the first thing that you and I do. This would be ingrained in part of our life. And we know a lot about prayer. There's songs about prayer. Uh, bon Jovi made a bunch of money about a song about prayer. Uh, there's sermons on prayer. I've preached a lot of sermons on prayer. And and churches have all kinds of things about prayer. We know about prayer. We do. We know about it. We have prayer rooms, like we got a prayer room right here. We we have prayer services where we're laying hands on people and praying for them. We do this. We do this sometimes here. We we ask people to come forward. You'll, you'll get a chance at the end of the service. If you've got something you want to pray about, you can come down to the front and you can you can pray by yourself or we will pray with you. We want to pray for you. This is this is what we do. We close our eyes in prayer. When I was growing up, um, I never went to church consistently till I got in high school. And there was a woman in our church. Her name was Betty, and she felt like it was her job that when when the, when the church closed her eyes in prayer, that she would turn around to the kids and make sure her eyes were closed. And if your eyes weren't closed, she'd point at you. And one day I pointed back. No, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I was scared of Betty. I was scared of Betty. But I'm not sure that even though we know a lot about prayer, that prayer is the backbone to our faith, that we are building our lives on prayer, that this will be the practice that we look towards as a first response. And so that's where we're going today, and we're going to walk through Daniel and see how... uh, how this was part of his life. We're going to see uh, what's going on here. And the first thing, jumping into the message, is that not everybody is for you or for God. I think this is a real important lesson for all of us to learn, that not everybody likes you. Not everybody likes me. They don't. And, and as we, we, we become Christ followers, we think that everybody's going to like us and, and that uh, everything's going to go well for us and and that we're never going to have any problems because Jesus is with us. And here's what I want you to see is that that's not the case, that God, uh, because you have God in your life, that a lot of times people are not for you because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, that sometimes people are just not for you and that's personal. It's something personal sometimes, but sometimes it's persecution. It's because of your faith and it's kind of this intermix and we kind of get that today and... and, and in the front part of this message that uh, there's a new king, Darius the Mede. And the last time, the first message, when we talked about Daniel, Daniel was a teenager. Now time has gone forward and Daniel is now older in age. Uh, Some people think he was 70, some think he was 80, but he was up there in age. And uh, he's, he's had this, a lot of experiences, but he has, been appointed uh, to 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 lead. Daniel keeps going up, up up. Not everybody's happy about it. He keeps getting promoted, 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 success, God's blessing him. And you think that people go, yeah, you're doing great, but some people are not so much. And the same thing is true in our life. Not everybody's for you, not everybody's for God. So the king divided up the provinces one hundred and twenty, and he appointed a high official officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two other administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. So they had 120. There's three guys on top. So one got 40, one got 40, one got 40. That's what I'm thinking. That's why he had three divided up equally. That's what I think. Maybe not. Maybe that's not what happened. But Daniel's promoted to top three. He's top three in the whole country. He's a foreigner. He's 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 a Jew. He's not one of them. He's an outsider, and he's getting successful. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Now, Daniel gets promoted up. He's not top three. Now, it's the king and then Daniel. He's gone all the way to top tier. The only one over him is the king. He keeps getting more and more successful. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything. See, not everybody's for you. When you're doing well, not everybody's going to be cheering you on. There's going to be some people that may not like that you're doing well. They may not like that God's blessing you. They might not. And we just need to be, be aware of this and know this, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn because Daniel wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't compromise his identity as as a a Jewish person, as a Godfather. He wouldn't compromise and cheat or do anything like that. As a matter of fact, we see what he was about. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. Now, I'm going to stop right here. This is not the message for today, but you've heard me preach this. If you are a Christ follower, listen to me, and you work in a business, this is what ought to be said about you. It ought to be said about you that if you work for someone who does not believe in Jesus Christ, that they say, that guy's weird. What he believes is weird. But guess what? I'd hire a hundred of him because he's faithful, trustworthy, and responsible. That woman, I don't believe like her. She prays. She reads your Bible. That's the weirdest thing. Ever. But boy, I'd hire a hundred of her because she is faithful, trustworthy, and responsible. That ought to be what we're about. Everybody with me on this? So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So they, they, they can't find anything wrong. So they said, all right, we're going to find out something wrong about Daniel and his religion. So they come up with this plan, and here's the plan. They know that Daniel prays. And so they come with this plan that for the next 30 days, nobody can pray to anybody except for King Darius that for 30 days, if anybody's going to pray, that that's what they're going to do. And so many times in our lives, we face situations where people are not for us, or they're not for God, and we come to this place in our lives, and we think to ourselves, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, here's the thing. My practices will determine my outcome. My practices will determine my outcome. Now, when I was, when I was coaching baseball, Sometimes when we would get kids and it's rec ball, it's recreation ball, everybody plays, everybody, everybody's winning, and they should be. But sometimes there would be kids that weren't very good, that their parents had never worked with them. And look, if they got a hit the whole season, not in a game, the whole season, one hit, it was a win. Everybody, I don't know if you've ever come, I'm telling you. And it would be like that. And those kids that got hits that day, I remember those more than I do the ones who were good because it was such a big moment in their life. But I would tell the parents, they'd say, they'd say, what do we need to do? And I'd say, hey, you need to go buy a tee. They're like, what are you talking about, buy a tea? We're doing, we're doing kid pitch. They're pitching. It. I said, you need a tee. You need a tea. And they said, why do we need a tea? I said, because his swing's terrible. And you need to get his swing on plane. And he needs to hit off a tee because he's not going to hit the baseball unless it swings on plane. unless it's just absolute luck. And I would try to say it way nicer than that. (laughs) And the parents would look at me like I was crazy. And then I would say this, Chipper Jones hits off a tee at least 300 times every day. They're like, what? I said, Chipper Jones hits off a tee. 300 times every day. You know why he doesn't? He wants his swing to be right, that when the ball comes, if he misses it, he misses it, but it won't be because his swing is bad. And here's the thing, you and I have practices in our life that we've already built in that are ingrained. I didn't do this first third spot, I'll just do this with you. Put your hands together. Now, whatever hand's on top, now take the other hand and put it on top of it. That feels weird, doesn't it? Now, here's the thing. I'm left hand over right hand. I'm left hand over right hand. I know you're going, Gary, where are you coming with it? I'm left hand over right hand. But here's the thing. In, it has been ingrained in me somehow, some way to do left hand over right hand. That feels good. Right hand over left hand, it doesn't feel good to me. But I could make it feel good if I wanted to. I don't really want to. But we've got practices just like you've already done that. You got You've got practices in your life that are already ingrained. And here's the, here's the thing with about being a follower of Jesus Christ. A lot of times we think it is what we believe that's going to carry us. Now, there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. It says that the righteous will live by faith, that ours is a, is, is a life of faith, that what we believe will carry us. But the scriptures also say that faith without works is dead, that there has to be some practices that go along with what you believe. And see too many times we think we believe, like we say we believe in prayer, but the truth is most of us really don't build our lives on prayer. I'll give you, I'll give you some examples here. All right. And, and I'll ask you to raise your hand on the first part, but not the second part. We're going to do a bunch of different things. All right. So here's the first part. How many of you believe that the Bible is a lamp into your feet and a light into your path? How many you believe that? All right. Now put your hands down. Don't raise your hands this time. How many of you read your Bible? don't raise them. I said, don't raise them. God, what's wrong with these people? I'm just kidding. I'm going to send you all to first service. Okay. Anyway. All right. How about this one? How many of you believe that your life is better, that God will bless you according to his words, if you give 10% of your income, which is God's money to build his kingdom? Rather than keeping all 100% for yourself. Now, don't, you don't have to raise your hand on this one. But you can. I believe it. I built my life on it. I believe it. And I've practiced it. But I'll have people, and I'll, they'll come to me with financial issues and I say, do you believe in tithing? They'll say, yeah, I believe I say, do you tithe? No, I don't. Then you don't believe in it. You don't, you don't believe in it. And see, as, as, as Christians, as church people, we think if we believe in the theory of something, that's the same thing as believing in the practice of it. It's just two entirely different things. So I'll give you the third one. Here's the third one. That Jesus said, Jesus said this, that you'll be great if you serve. Now, anybody want to believe that? I believe it because Jesus said it. I'm in it all That you'll be great if you serve. So my question is, where are you serving? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He's trying to get me to serve. No, I'm not trying to get you to do anything. I'm just telling you that unless you're serving, you don't really believe that. You believe in the theory of it, but you don't believe in the practice of it. Well, prayer is a lot like that, that that when you come to situations and circumstances, we want God to move in our life. We want to see things happen, miracles. We want to see him change things and do things. Well, here's the truth. God's only going to do some things when we pray. And I can't explain it. It's mysterious. I can't explain it. I can't tell you what those things are and what they're not. I just simply know he says that when we pray he'll work. But too many times, we don't look at it. We kind of believe in this theoretical belief in prayer, but not the practice of prayer. Now Daniel, he believed in the practice of prayer. Look at the scripture right here. Daniel had already had this practice in life that it was his life was going to be built on prayer, that he wasn't going to stop praying. It was the backbone of his life. And it says, when Daniel learned the law had been signed, this law that he could only pray to the King Darius, when he learned that, it says, he went home and knelt down, two words here, as usual. He made an as usual practice of being on his knees, In his upstairs room, with the windows open towards Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. This is who Daniel was. This was like, oh, no, I can't pray. Well, you know what? I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to get on my knees, I'm going to open the windows, and I'm going to pray to God, and I'm going to trust him. His practice was going to carry him. It was going to determine his outcome. Now I started thinking about this. Daniel could have said, "Hey, you know what I'll do? It's just 30 days. just 30 days. For 30 days, I'll, I'll pray at night before I go to bed. Or you know, I'll, I'll pray I'll pray silently. Or I'll pray, but I won't open the windows. I'm still praying, and he would still be praying. But no, he'd already made this decision in his life that he was going to have this certain practice that he was going to pray because he believed in prayer. While I was talking to Cam. We were talking about my son Mitchell, and Cam said, "I want to be like Mitchell." And I said, "I do too." My son Mitchell believes so much in prayer that he carries around a bottle of olive oil in his car. This is going to sound a little freaky. That in the scriptures it says if someone is sick or they, they, they have a need or they're hurting, that you anoint them with oil and pray. And he believes that God's going to run him into somebody that needs prayer. He's going to have that olive oil there and he's going to be able to pray for him. As a matter of fact, he went over to somebody's house from the East Campus and realized that somebody, another person from the East Campus lived right next door to them and that guy had cancer. And Mitchell went over to that first house and got some all, and went over to that neighbor's, and, and prayed over him, and he came to my house, you know what he told me, he came home, and he said, I believe God's healed him, that's the kind of faith I want to have, that's the kind of prayer life I want to have, that man, I believe that God has called me to pray, and I've built my life on it, and I'm, I'm praying, and I want to see God move, and act, because here's the thing, when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works, he works and and we want to see supernatural things and, and and we want to see prayers answered and blessings and doors open and look I want that for you too which leads me to this if we believe all that why don't we pray more and as I was studying and thinking about this you know the first thought is we always go to is we're too busy I don't think it's we're too busy I think the reason why we don't pray is that deep down we don't think God will help us. We don't think God can help us. And so I want to debunk this real fast and then move on. I want you to hear me this. Hear me. If you're a first time or you've been here the whole time, listen. God wants to help you. Hear me. He wants to work in your life. God will help you. You turn to him, and he's not going to let you down. He's going to work in your life supernaturally. And you've heard me say this. It, it's it's not always a microwave. God does his best work in a crock pot. He does, but he will help you. I'm not saying if you pray a prayer that he won't instantaneously the first time answer it and, and something supernatural. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying from what I've seen most of the time, it just a, it's a process. But he works, and he will work in your life. God wants to help you. God can help you. But we must practice prayer in order to believe in prayer. You're never going to believe it until you practice it. Which leads me to the third. I will not fall. When I stand on my knees, I will not fall. Now, I want you to think of the last time you fell. Now, I'm always amazed when, you know, this room at Atrium out there, it invites kids to run. It does. Little kids run. And they'll run in there, and they'll fall, and they'll hit that concrete, and they just jump right back up. You know what I'm talking about? It's just an amazing thing. And I, those days are way past me. Um, but this past week, I fell down. And I, 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 I can remember uh, the last time I fell down before this time was a, c- a couple years ago. And I, I don't know. There was a curb there. I don't know what's happening. I was in a hurry. I, I got bifocals. I think it's part of it. And uh, you, you, I don't know if you got bifocals. You can kind of see things differently. I'm on one, one. Th- you know, I'm, I'm just telling you. And it could be I'm just old. You know what I'm saying? It could be. But I, I hit the curb with this toe. And look, I was going down. I'm going down. I'm going down. And look, and I, The whole time I'm thinking, Gary, you're going down. And if I wasn't such a good athlete, I would have really gotten hurt. Yeah, I'm serious. You know, I was just so athletic. I just, and here's, here's the funny part. There were some ladies out there, and they didn't make fun of me in front of me. I'm sure as soon as I got in the car, they went, ah! there's nothing more. There's nothing funnier than watching somebody fall down. I know, it's not, not nice. But I guarantee you they laughed when I walked away. But they were so polite. You okay? You okay? And I started to think the last time I felt like that. It was uh, after a high school football game and Les than I were walking and there was one of those curbs there and it was dark and I couldn't see. And I hit, look, I came about that far from face planning. And again, my athletic prowess kicked in and uh, just, it was unbelievable. I kicked like a cat and. Hear me. You won't fall. If you spend time on your knees. You'll trip and you'll stumble. And there'll be things happen that you wonder about and you'll ask for God's help. But you won't fall. You'll see him move. You'll see him act. You'll see, you'll see his will be done. You'll, you'll see supernatural things happen. But you have got to pray. You've got to spend time in prayer. This has got to be our first response. The backbone of our faith is that we're asking God to intervene. Because when we pray, here's the thing, when we pray is that we're, we're inviting God into the situation, but more than that, we're inviting God into our life, into the relationship that we have with him. And sometimes God moves in our life to change the situation, but God's going to move in our life to change us. Sometimes God's going to use that situation for his glory in ways that we have no idea. And sometimes he's just simply going to answer the prayer the way we think it ought to be answered. And sometimes it's not going to be the way we think, but it's going to be better than what we think. But we just have, we simply have to ask, and we have to spend time in prayer. Look at what Daniel, look at here. It says, So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. And Darius is having second thoughts. He doesn't really want to do this. He knows, he's he's figured out that they've only done this because they're jealous of Daniel. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish. He about to get the shock of his life. Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God who you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? And lo and behold, Daniel answers him. Long live the king! My God sent His angel to shut the mouth, the lion's mouth, so that they wouldn't hurt me. I have been found innocent in His sight, and I have not wronged you, Your Majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered Daniel to be lifted up from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in His God, which was His practice. Now, deliverance comes in many forms. See, we all want the prayer where we're healed. And I'm not against it, I'm for it. We all want the prayer where we're delivered. We all want the prayer where God says yes. And I want to be real transparent here it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes the healing doesn't come on this side of eternity, but it comes. Sometimes deliverance doesn't come on this side of eternity, but it comes. In Hebrews chapter 11, it lists the heroes of faith and it lists Daniel. And right after it lists Daniel, it lists all those who lost their faith. They were burned alive, their heads were cut off, they were tortured but deliverance came for them too. See, sometimes God's using the problems in our lives to draw us closer to him, to bring glory to his name so that we can have this relationship with him that we might not could have when things are good, when we're getting our way, when we don't have any storms when there is no persecution, or where there is nothing uh, personal going on. And I can't explain it all, like I said, it's a mystery. But I can tell you this, you won't fall when you pray. You won't fall when you go to your knees. Now, sometimes people ask me, "Is, is posture that big a deal? I think it is, I think it's a big deal. There's no more humble time than when you're on your knees before the Lord. You start your day and you get on your knees saying, you know, you're God, I'm not. I'm placing my hands in your hand. I'm asking you to work. Man, it's super humbling. And it's kind of like if you, have a, if you have a kid and your kid were to come to you and and, and they were to say, hey, I need some gas money. That Well, you know, you, you might be moved to help them. Most likely you would, but you might be. But if they came down and they, they were to get on their knee, say, hey, Dad, I need help. Man, You're going to move? So I think posture is important. And so we've come this whole way for right here, right now, in this moment. I'd like for us to go on a seven-day on-your-knees challenge. That you and I, as a church, that we would spend time on our knees the next seven days. And so how this would work is that if you're single, you, you could... Go on by yourself, or if you know people in the church, you want to pray with some brothers and sisters. That you're gonna you're gonna hit your knees if you're physically able. I I I would encourage this. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna ask you to make a commitment to do so, and we're going to, our staff's gonna pray for you this week. If you're married, then you and your spouse, we pray together. Listen, be nothing more powerful for your marriage here. Trust me. Nothing more powerful for your marriage than you guys to pray together on your knees. If you got kids. I would say, gather them around in the room, get on your knees together. We're going to pray. We're going to pray together. We're going to be on our knees. And I know you might be thinking, what am I going to say? I can give you a couple of phrases Help me, God. Thank you, God. Be with us, God. And then let it roll from there and see what happens. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures. And then Cam's going to come up and we'll close. But Daniel 6.10, it says, He went home and knelt down as usual. I would love for that to be said of us. That we would be people who spent time on their knees. And then in Philippians... I used this scripture when we did our Breaking Free series when I was talking about anxiety. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Now, think about that. Don't worry about anything. What if you could live a life like that? Don't worry about anything. Just pray about everything. And listen to this next line. Hear me this next line. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. Man, what if that was the mark of our life? Then, 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 only then will you experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What if, what if that was us? Man, I just, it can be. We just got to get on our knees. We got to pray. It's got to be the backbone of our faith. It's got to be what we're about. And then I was looking in Acts. This is the kind of church I want to be in Acts 12. It's the kind of church I want to be. They were persecuting Christ followers. James has already been killed. And Peter's put in prison. But the church prayed earnestly for that's what I want us to be. I want us to be a church that prays, that we're going to pray. We're going to be on our knees. We're going to be expecting God to work and move and act, changing us, making us more like him. And so you got your connect card. Would you write on there if you'd go on the seven-day challenge with us? I'm just writing a seven-day challenge. We're going to And look, and then do it. Don't just, don't just say you're going to and then do it. And we're going to pray for you. Our staff's going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. And there's also some next steps. This only works through Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to talk to someone today about following Jesus or to be baptized. or You're going to sign up for a starting point. There's some, there's some serving opportunities and some, some prayer requests that we would love to pray with you about. There's going to be somebody at the end of the service in the back with a basket. and You can just drop this in there. Let's be a people of prayer. Let's be a people who practice prayer. Trusting God to work and to move in ways that we can't see. But I don't want to just close with a card. I want to give you a chance to pray today. Maybe you've got something you want to come down here and you want to kneel at the altar. And you want to pray. Maybe you've got a concern something physical, something with family, we would love to pray with you. I'll be down front. And man, I'm sure if you come down and then we get swarmed, we could grab some people to pray with you. We'd love to. But I'm going to pray for you right now, and then we're going to stand and sing. Father, I thank you that you've given us a a way to communicate with you. Lord, I'm blown away sometimes that you would hear our prayers, that you would even care. Lord, I do pray for us to know that you do care. I pray that First and foremost, foremost, we would know this. I pray for those here today that are struggling. Maybe they're in season of hardship. Personally, maybe it's persecution. Maybe it's their family. Whatever, Lord, I just pray for them to know how much you care. And Lord, I also pray for them to pray and trust you to cast their cares upon you, to watch you move and work. Lord, let us be a church. That earnestly praise. Lord, I pray for those here today that have needs. That you would meet their needs. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.